Ephesians again, Ephesians chapter number one. And we've been looking at this uh, thing as what God's word says about our identity in Christ. And if you know Christ as your savior, then you have been given an identity that is unique uh, to the Christian. And that's the fact that we know Christ, we know um, what he's doing and how he views us. The world is always trying to tell us who we are. And we're facing an identity crisis here in America. We're facing an identity crisis in the world. People don't know who they are. And God's word for the Christian tells us exactly who we are in Christ. And uh, so far, we've been looking through this book of Ephesians here, and we have seen that we've been blessed by God with every spiritual blessing. He tells us that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. He tells us that we've been adopted, uh, that we've been redeemed in Christ, that grace has been lavishly poured upon our lives. Um, we have purpose. And this morning here, we're going to focus here on the, on the next two verses here out of Ephesians 1, uh, verses 11 and 12. And this is really going to set the stage for next week's message, okay? So hope you come back next week because it's going to be a good one, all right? So this is just telling us what God is doing. And these next two verses here are just going to kind of lay the foundation of our inheritance, of what we have in Christ. And if we remember here the, the, the context that, that, that uh, Paul writes here, he's talking about these spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And so we're going to look at another one of our spiritual blessings, and it's the idea of having an inheritance. So let's take note here of a, a few things about our inheritance. Um, have you ever been given an inheritance? in your life? You ever gotten an inheritance? Um, an inheritance can sometimes be money. It can sometimes be uh, personal effects such as cars, clothes, houses, dishes, and even animals from time to time. I came across this uh, interesting story about a, a strange inheritance that a man was given. Uh, it comes from a clothing maker named Solomon Sanborn. And Solomon Sanborn died in 1871. And he left his body to science, but with one little request. And here's what it was. Sanborn requested that his skin be tanned and used to make two drums, which were to be given to a friend. However, the friend had to promise to go to Bunker Hill at sunrise every day on June 17th and use the drums to play Yankee Doodle Dandy. That's a strange inheritance. The idea behind an inheritance is something that was once owned by someone else, and when that person died, they are giving it to you. Over the years, I've been given things from uh, grandparents that they gifted towards me as an inheritance, saying, I want you to have this, um, and I've inherited those things now. Property in this world usually goes by an inheritance, but it doesn't work that way with our spiritual blessings here is what Paul outlines for us. You see, our spiritual blessings, our inheritance is not of blood. It doesn't come by the will of man. It comes by God. It's a spiritual blessing. People that are outside of Christ, people that do not know Christ, 
they are not part of this spiritual inheritance that we've been given because it doesn't come by blood. It doesn't come by the will of man. It only comes through by God. And so when we compare these physical inheritance or the spiritual inheritance, there's always some major differences between the two. Here's just for example for a few of them. So if you know Christ, you have an inheritance. Our inheritance is Christ is imperishable. You see, what we have in Christ is not subject to corruption or decay. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Our inheritance in Christ is also undefiled. It says nothing on earth is perfect. Nothing on this earth is perfect. Even if you were to, to examine the, the most beautiful car or examine the most beautiful painting, and you were to look at that, I'm sure somewhere, somehow, you would be able to find an imperfection. No matter how beautiful it was, no matter how expensive it was. But here, our inheritance is undefiled. It's perfect. Hebrews chapter verse 726 says that Christ is truly perfect. He is holy, he's blameless, he's pure, he's set apart from sinners, he's exalted, the Bible says, above the heavens. And our inheritance in him is also holy, it's blameless, it's exalted and pure. No earthly corruption or weakness can touch what God has given to us, nothing. Revelation 21, 27 says that nothing impure will ever enter the new Jerusalem, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. And so our inheritance is, is undefiled, but also our inheritance in Christ is unfading. You see, what we have in Christ is being kept in heaven for us. Your crown of glory that awaits you has your name on it. It has your name on it. Although we enjoy these, these many blessings here on earth as children of God, our true inheritance, our true home is reserved for us in heaven. Jesus prayed for this for his followers. Listen to what he said in John 17, 11. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. And so we are secure. We're being guarded by the Almighty himself. And surely our inheritance is equally secure. And nobody can steal it from us. Listen to what John 10, 28 through 29 says. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. But really, what is our inheritance? What is it? Is it gold? Is it streets of gold? Is it gates of pearl? Is it walls of jasper? Is it heaven? Our inheritance is Christ himself. Look at the text here. Look what he says. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In him, purpose of him, counsel of his will. Hebrews 9.15 says, Therefore he, Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since 
a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Because Christ died, he could give us an inheritance. But see, this is what's so awesome about this inheritance of Christ himself is yes, he died and everything that, that, that the father has, he's given to the son. And since Christ died, he can now will that and he can give it to us. But Christ died, but he didn't stay dead. He resurrected from the grave. And because he resurrected, we now have an eternal inheritance, which is Jesus himself. 1 Peter 1, 3-4 says, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You see, our sum total, our inheritance is the, is the sum total of all that God has promised us in salvation, which is being reserved for us in heaven, and we are being preserved until the time it will be given to us. You see, it'll be surely awaiting for us, and we will surely receive it. This passage here tells us that the word of God guarantees us that we will finally possess our inheritance. In him, we have obtained in an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So see, one day we will be in the very presence of Jesus. Can you imagine what that's gonna be like? To be in the very presence of Jesus. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be uncomparable to everything that this world could ever offer us. To be in the very presence of the Son of God. To be with Christ. He will be our central source of eternal joy in heaven. In his book, God is the Gospel, John Piper said this. The critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness, with all the friends that you ever had on earth, with all the food that you ever liked, pizza, <laughs> and the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw and all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there? You see, we have to get out of our mind thinking that yes, heaven is a glorious thing that we are going, that's gonna be awaiting for us, but the glory of heaven is not just heaven itself, it is Jesus Christ. That is our inheritance. That is what has been gifted to us is Christ. Christ himself, that's what we have. So our inheritance is Christ and it's eternal. Here's the second thing I want to show you about our inheritance. My inheritance is of divine purpose. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. 
You see, we saw here earlier in Ephesians chapter 1 that he has chosen us according to his purpose and will. That's what it says in verse number 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. You see, we are chosen not because of anything that we have done or any good thing that we will do. Our inheritance does not come because of an entitlement. It is of divine purpose that God gives us Jesus Christ. It's all an act of his grace. It comes to us through Christ and he purchased it with his own blood and he's given it to us. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 22 says, And for this reason, he, Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant, in order that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead, for it is never in force while the one who made it lives. Therefore, even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and of the goats and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. And in the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry with the blood. And according to the law, he made, he made almost say all things are cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so Christ purchased that eternal inheritance for us with his own blood. You think about the things that we have in this world, whether it be uh, material objects or whether it be uh, uh, money or, or anything that we have. You don't own it. It's not yours. You say, no, wait a minute, Mike. I worked for that. I, I, I worked. I put in the time. I worked. And I, yeah, but who gave you the job? Who gave you the strength to work? Who gave you the ability to work? Everything belongs to God. But here, our inheritance, our eternal inheritance, Christ gave himself and he purchased our inheritance with his own blood. All of it. You see, when we think of giving somebody an inheritance, there's usually a purpose behind it. Why does grandma or grandpa give you what you have there's usually purpose behind it. I mean, it would be kind of silly. Like, let's just say you like baking and decorating cakes, okay? It would be very silly for Grandma or Grandpa Miller to give you carpenter tools for an inheritance. You'd be like, what am I going to do with these? There's usually purpose behind the inheritance. And I like to think that when Christ died on the, died on the cross and he shed his blood... And he paid for our redemption and, he, and he's forgiven us. The inheritance that he's given us has purpose. It has meaning behind it. It's not just like, oh yeah, I know Jesus is my savior. Well, that's great. I got that all taken care of. There is purpose behind our inheritance and that Christ gave it to us. You see, our inheritance is that we would be holy and blameless. 
That's the purpose behind our inheritance. To be holy and blameless. God's divine purpose was that we would be in Christ, that Christ would be our inheritance, that we would be holy and blameless before him. You see, at the basis of our inheritance is the death of Christ, the shedding of Christ's blood. And when he took upon himself our sins, he paid the penalty He purchased our justification. He purchased our righteousness and our holiness and our blamelessness. And he purposed in himself, this is my inheritance and I've given everything, everything to you. And he's given us that inheritance. You see, he took away our guilt and our dominion and power of sin in our lives. And it's not one day that we will have this inheritance If you know Christ, you have this inheritance now, living and abiding in you. If you don't know Christ, you don't have that inheritance. You don't have power over sin. Bible says that you're a slave to sin. Bible says that you're condemned in sin, that you're conceived in sin. And you need the forgiveness of God in your life. You need to repent of your sins and return to Jesus, trust Christ, for your salvation. Because Christ has already died, that is what has made our inheritance eternal. And he has resurrected from the grave and he has secured for us this eternal inheritance. So my inheritance is of divine purpose. Here's the last thing I want to show you. And this is where this is setting the stage for what we have, okay? Look what he says in verse number 12. He says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. We're talking about our inheritance. We're talking about that my inheritance is the praise of his glory. You see, as we've been moving along through this chapter, we've been been uplifted by what, what the truths of God's word have to say to us. All these spiritual blessings, he chose us holy without blame. Boy, I sure need that in my life. The adoption of children. Hey, I'm God's child now. And then you come here, look at verse six. We come here to verse six. All these truths have been been mounting up, mounting up. And then verse six, he says, to the praise of his glorious grace. Wow, what's that? What is that? It's definitely of Jesus Christ that we have all these things. But then look again in verse 12. He says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then again, lastly, look at verse 14. He says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You see, there is a connection here between the one who has been blessed redeemed, chosen, adopted, forgiven, lavished in grace, and given, into, given an inheritance, there's a connection between that person and this phrase, to the praise of his glorious grace or to the praise of his glory. Now, before we get ahead of ourselves, I think we could all say that, yeah, we praise God. We thank God for his grace. We thank the Lord for his grace. And I would agree with you. 
But I don't think praising God and giving God thanks is just a Sunday morning activity. Our lives should be reflecting praise to God. Because within these verses of 6, 12, and 14, we find three words that help us understand what this means to the praise of his glory. First word we find is this word praise. Basically, it means commendation or praise, and it is only used of man to God. Why are we giving God praise? Well, like he says in verse number three, he says, blessed be the God and Father. We're blessing God because of what he has given us. So it's man to God. We are blessing God. We're giving him praise for that. The idea is the one being praised is worthy of special recognition. And so we are recognizing God for what he has done for us. And he chose us so that we could be holy and without spot or blame. And that blessing deserves recognition. But what does it recognize? What are we recognizing? It is praise or recognition for the glory of his grace. So there's our second word, glory. This is the reflective representation of something showing power, splendor, or honor. And grace is an unmerited gift or divine favor. Let me give you a good way to illustrate this. During the Greek times, when uh, they would have a, when, when somebody owned a slave during Greek culture time, if that master had purchased that slave, the slave then would go out and they would literally, they would parade themselves around the town because they have been set free. And one way they would do this is they would wear a cap, they would wear a hat and they would parade themselves through the streets and this is what they would be saying this. They would say to the praise of his glory. They would be reflecting, the hat would be a reflection of what the master had done for them and had granted them to be released from their slavery. And sometimes even in, in cases where the master had owned the slave and the master may have, have passed away and maybe in the will, he probably said his inheritance is to be set free. Then during the funeral time, that man would wear the cap and he would parade around and he would say, to the praise of his glory, I've been set free, I've been set free, I've been set free. Likewise, we are to be the praise of his glory. You say, what does that look like then? Is it just coming to church? Is it saying kind words? Is it saying a, a, a prayer over our mealtime? What does that look like? What is the praise of his glory? How do people see us and say, that person has been redeemed by the glory of God and they're praising God? What does that look like? Is it speaking of his grace to others? Is it singing it out? These certainly are ways that we do that. But that's not the main way that we reflect and praise him 
for his glorious grace. And this is where I'm going to leave you. Next week, we're going to find out what the praise of his glorious grace really is. But I want you to reflect on this and ask yourself this question. If I have been redeemed and I have this inheritance, am I living like a child of God that I have been given an eternal inheritance in Christ? Am I living that way? Does my life line up with being holy and blameless? Do I have that eternal inheritance? Let's pray together.